Good morning and welcome to chapel. We're really happy that you are here with us. Just a few announcements today. In the narthex, you will notice that there are some really beautiful John August Swanson prints for you to admire and enjoy. If one of, in particular strikes your fancy, uh, Sarah Berg is the person to see about that. But they're really lovely and they're on the wooden paneling that's right out there. We want to also take a moment to thank Joseph Peoples and Jessica Helms for their beautiful music and for being with us this morning. And we are grateful for our guest speaker, Sarah Schultz from PLTS, who incidentally is the last person speaking on our theme of Be Not Afraid. So we're really excited to hear from her. But don't worry, for those of you guys who didn't get a chance to preach this last semester, now is the time. We have a sign-up sheet right outside the door. So, what is our new summer theme, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Drum roll. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> it's about time. That's the theme. It's about time. I know what you're thinking, that what are the biblical stories that you could possibly preach on on that theme? Well, I have been blessed this week to have my 13-year-old here, and we were on our way in, and she gave a few suggestions on some Bible stories that popped into her mind about that theme. So I thought we would do a little call and response. I will say in Ava's words what she said, and you guys will respond with, it's about time, all right? So Ava said, I know, the guy in the temple, Simeon the one who was waiting for the Messiah, and then Jesus finally shows up as a baby. It's about time. The people are wandering in the desert with Moses, and they finally get to the promised land. It's about time. Sarah and Abraham have been waiting for a baby for years. They're old, and they finally get a baby. It's the hemorrhaging woman, or pretty much anybody that Jesus heals who's been waiting around to get healed. <laughs> Jonah, when he finally decides to listen to God and go and talk to the people. And the, para, uh, the prodigal son, when he finally gets it together and comes back home. So if any of these themes or other themes or stories came up to your mind, please sign up in the Northex. If those are inspiring, we want to be excited. Let's stand up and sing our first hymn, number 574, Here I Am, Lord. Our reading comes to us from the book of Exodus, the third chapter. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. 
Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Moses has a lot to be afraid of. Long before a fiery talking bush interrupted his afternoon, his life has already been marked by fear and violence from its very beginning. He's born a Hebrew in Egypt at a time when that very identity meant he was a slave. Not only is he born into a slave family, but he's born at a time when Pharaoh, the Egyptian ruler, has gone on an ethnic cleansing campaign and ordered that all male Hebrew babies be put to death immediately after birth. Moses came into this world, into a world marked by violence and fear, where racial hatred ran the day, where an entire group of people were condemned, condemned to hard labor for no pay, where human beings were owned and abused, all to support the greed and tyranny of one ruler and his wealthy ruling class. And then Pharaoh orders the death of all male Hebrew babies. Fearing for his life, a group of Hebrew women hatch a plan. The midwives conspire with Moses' mother and sister to send newborn Moses out of the Hebrew slave camp and down the river in a little cradle boat made of reeds. They're hoping that the princess, Pharaoh's daughter, will find him and take pity on him and raise him in her household. These women fear for little Moses' life and for their own, but their hope for Moses' survival and freedom is stronger than their fear of Pharaoh and his men. Because of their courage, Moses grows up not as a slave, but free in the royal household, and he passes for an Egyptian. But he sees the Hebrew slaves, his people, living under terrible conditions. He sees a slave master beating a Hebrew slave, and in his anger, he lashes out. 
His act of lashing out, he, he kills the Egyptian slave master, this act prompts the new pharaoh to order Moses' death. So Moses flees, and he goes to the land of Midian, where he marries a woman named Zipporah. Which finally brings us to the text that we read this morning. So know that Moses is not simply a shepherd minding his father-in-law's sheep, but he's essentially an outlaw who's escaped the death penalty. So before we even get to this bush on fire that's calling Moses' name, Moses has a lot to be afraid of. The Hebrew community he was born into has a lot to be afraid of. Moses' very existence depends on the bravery of the slave women whose hope for a better future for this little boy outweighed their fear of violence and death. Bravery in the face of fear made Moses' very life possible. So here we are at the burning bush. Moses is with his father-in-law's sheep at the far side of the wilderness when he sees some strange flames. They're strange because a shrub is on fire, but it doesn't seem to be affected by the flames. It's not consumed. So when he goes closer to check out why it's not burning up, it starts to talk. It calls his name. So Moses answers. And then the voice from the bush says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing, this is holy ground. And in that moment, God reveals God's identity. I am the God of your ancestors, this voice proclaims. And the text tells us that Moses hides his face because he is afraid to look at God. I think most of us would be terrified if this happened to us. Hiding seems like a fairly natural reaction to a burning, talking plant announcing itself as God. But then comes something perhaps even scarier than that. God tells Moses that God is going to rescue the Hebrew people from bondage in Egypt, which probably sounds like great news to Moses at first, until God says that Moses is going to be the one to carry out this plan. God says, go now. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. To which Moses responds, who, me? That's my rough translation. Um, no, uh, Moses, the other guy out here in the wilderness, alone with a bunch of sheep. No, the text says, Moses answers, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? But did you notice that God doesn't really answer that question directly? God doesn't say, Moses, here are your credentials. This is why I'm sending you on this wild mission. No, God simply says, I will be with you. Moses says, who, me? And God says, I'm with you. God knows that Moses is afraid, unsure of himself, confused at why he would be told to go back to Egypt, where there's an order out for his arrest and execution. So God promises to be with him, to accompany him, to strengthen him. 
God knows intimately the sufferings of these people, and God calls Moses to liberate them. God calls Moses to rescue them from violence and slavery. It is a daunting task, a terrifying one, to stand up to Pharaoh and his army. Naturally, Moses is afraid, afraid to look at God and afraid to do what God is calling him to do. Perhaps you can relate to Moses. Perhaps you have been feeling a tug in your heart to do or be something different, and you're wondering if that's really God's voice. Perhaps you're fearful of what comes next. Perhaps you're preparing to graduate and take a step toward a new career. Perhaps you're wondering if you have what it takes. Maybe you're asking, who am I to do this? Well, God, the spirit of all life, has an answer. I will be with you. I know your name. I call you. I call you to love my people and to do what you can to participate in the work of liberation. I call you to stand for freedom. I call you. So take off your shoes, because the ground where you are standing, right where you are, this ground is holy ground. Where you are at this time, this moment, this place, this is a holy place. So today, know that this spirit of love is with you. With you in your fear, in your uncertainty, in your questions. For God, that same God who is in ultimate solidarity with her creation, with all of us, the God who is hopelessly in love with each and every one of us, who made us in her image, this God. This God promises to be with us, just as he promised to be with Moses as he led his people to freedom. So today, take off your shoes, feel the holy earth between your toes, and know in your bones that you are loved and you are called. The God of life and freedom is with you. Amen. Join me in prayer. Soul who holds our souls, Spirit of our spirit, divine comforter when all around is a bit chaotic, wind of the east, southwest, and north, weaver of the known universe and the universes yet to be known, we call out to you with words and even in our silence. Bring your imagination and creativity to the world yet again. Free us from old assumptions and patterns. Help us to see clearly the way forward of what is necessary for all of life. And then, in time to come, stretch us into life-affirming vessels of reconciliation and healing 
Stand us firmly in your goodness, body, mind, and spirit, strong, steady, and transparent. Heart and soul, informed, faithful, and sure. May our choices be wise and enduring. Send us into the next moments with delight, love, and infectious grace, and now an absence of fear. Amen. Go with God. Love one another as you have been loved by God. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Why? For the following announcement. If we know anything about university life, it is wrapped around one word, change. Change happens constantly on this footprint. Some of it we like, some of it we don't. Leaving this place is hard for the community left behind. Today, I get to announce that leaving us is Joseph Peoples, our university organist. That brings us, on our staff, sadness. You have been an absolute joy to work with. Thank you. And while it brings us great sadness to release him, where is he headed? Hmm. Temple Square, Salt Lake City, as one of the organists for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. So if you have to go, I guess, okay. And the reason for inviting you to stay seated is to honor him by listening to uh, the festival toccata that he'll play. Thank you, Joseph. <laughs> 